0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program.
1: Hello, and welcome to Future of the Business World. I'm Diana Drake with the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. Each month, I get to chat with interesting young innovators to discover how they are using skills in business, entrepreneurship, and leadership to change the world. Today's guest, Sabrina Zhang, is joining us from California, where she is leveraging technology and data to improve sustainability and the business of agriculture. Sabrina, welcome to the show. Hi, Jaya. Thank you so much for having me. While you studied with us on campus this summer, and we'll talk about that later, I actually met you online before that when you participated in our 2022 comment and win contest. When I knew we would be talking today, I searched your first comment, which appeared on June 18th in response to the Global Youth article, The Business of Urban Living. Your reflection started like this. I was driving down sunset with my sister when she shrieked in horror at a sign a couple feet away. Seven dollars, seven dollars. Yes, it finally happened. The gas had reached a whopping seven dollars and 49 cents. And when I Googled other counties, the number just kept climbing. As a resident of Los Angeles, California, I've seen firsthand the struggles of urban living. So clearly you grabbed my attention for sure with that comment. And beyond those astonishing gas prices, I was hoping you would tell us more about your life in California. Where do you go to school and what are your interests?
0: I'm currently a senior at Polytechnic School in Pasadena, California. I am an avid speech and debater, activist, business competition enthusiast, cellist, and of course, a huge foodie. I love to explore all the best eats in LA, not only along Sunset Boulevard, but also the local eats as well. And that applies to any place that I visit. So if you ever need recommendations, I definitely have a full list to send you. Yet food is also a growing concern here in LA. Some of the quote-unquote Organic produce sold at notoriously expensive grocery stores at the heart of the city are priced higher than complete meals. And that's an issue I'm hoping
1: that sustainable farming will help address. Great. So that first comment that I alluded to in my question to you was really looking at urban living. But as you continued to participate in the comment and win contest, I started to see another thread emerging, which was about agri And AgriVision is a product that you have been developing for the agriculture market. I'm hoping you can set the scene for our discussion of this technology. How is the problem of food waste related to crop loss? And what is the problem your innovation is addressing?
0: When people think of food waste and the large organic landfills, they often think of the tossed out produce at supermarkets or uneaten food from school cafeterias and homes. But unbeknownst to most people, Food waste occurs throughout the supply chain, including pre-harvest and harvest season. And crop loss accounts for over a third of food waste. And within that, diseases are responsible for the loss of 40% of all harvestable crops in the U.S. And we're looking at 11.2 billion kilograms of methane that enter the atmosphere from these disease-induced crop loss. However, most people currently rely on human vision and other sensory skills such as touch to identify issues with plants. But farms can be hundreds of acres wide, meaning it could take weeks to check every crop manually. And even if farmers could check on all their crops, by the time humans notice a sign of disease within the plant, the crop is beyond saving. So what we're seeing is a need for an effective monitoring system, one that can more accurately and efficiently survey crops to protect agriculture. And at AgriVision, we hope that one bad apple won't spoil the whole lot. Our technology strives to spot out and mitigate the impact of diseases among crops in the early stages.
1: Interesting. Uh, I heard a little bit of a pitch in there for sure. I'm hoping you can tell us more about AgriVision. So you started to say what it is. It's a system that uses hyperspectral image processing to monitor crops and diagnose disease. What exactly is this technology and how does it work? A key component of AgriVision
0: software lies in hyperspectral image processing, which is a more advanced version of normal image processing. Whereas in a normal camera, you have three wavelengths of red, green, and blue. A hyperspectral camera contains wavelengths ranging from 400 to 1100 nanometers. So all the details that we can't see in plants with our human eyes Such as biological changes within a plant when it reacts to a pathogen or infection, those details are represented through significant color changes that appear in a hyperspectral image. Paired with robotics and drones, we hope to fully develop these autonomous systems so that they're easily accessible to farmers who only need to check a simple app on their phones for updates on crop status.
1: So let's talk about it a little bit more. Have you been able to demonstrate its effectiveness? And also, can you give us one or two examples of? the types of crops and diseases we're looking at here and how this is actually making a difference.
0: For sure. After much market research and pitch deck development, we're now fellows under the George Ola Foundation and have won in some of the world's largest high school entrepreneurship competitions, such as the Diamond Challenge, the Conrad Challenge, and the Global Youth Entrepreneurship Competition. Right now, we're working on our MVP, or a minimum viable product, which has taken form in a mobile application so that we can better demonstrate AgriVision's technology in action. And some examples can include lesions that appear on the leaves of corn or other crops such as tomatoes. And by the time humans start to see those streaks or discoloration, hyperspectral cameras could have captured some internal issues and changes within the plants a few weeks prior. And so we're looking at a better, um, and so we're looking at better accuracy in terms of taking care of those crops, and maybe even reversing the effects of the diseases, but more importantly, preventing
1: the spread of infections among the crops. Interesting. So you also point out that AgriVision is really adaptable and versatile as a product. And I think when we think of crops, at least I do because I live in New Jersey, so we are the garden state. So I think of crops like corn as being vast fields and tomatoes and you know, really, really huge growing areas. But it's interesting because I think you've talked about also applying this technology to indoor farming and vertical farming. So can you talk a little bit about that and how AgriVision might be able to target these markets?
0: 100%. This spring, I actually visited a friend in New York and discovered that her apartment complex had a vertical farm. In contrast to traditional farming, vertical farms are grown vertically in stacked layers and are often in controlled environments where you might see methods such as hydroponics or aquaponics applied to optimize plant growth. This type of indoor farming will be incredibly impactful for highly populated cities like New York, LA, or even New Jersey, where people can easily access fresh produce. But more importantly, vertical farms use less resources like water and soil to grow in comparison to traditional farms, making them a more sustainable option. However, part of the reason we don't see vertical farms everywhere just yet is this notion of cost in relation to building the indoor farming systems and keeping the produce at a quality that matches traditionally farmed produce. With AgriVision's monitoring system, we can ensure that vertical farms are healthy and of good quality. After all, how can we make sure that the plant growing 20 feet in the air is receiving enough nutrition? That's where AgriVision comes to play. And paired with robotics, our hyperspectral image processing can evaluate batches of vertically farmed produce in an instant.
1: How did you get involved in this high-tech endeavor? Are you interested in agriculture? Is this a personal passion or really is it purely professional and an interest in robotics and technology that you have?
0: I think definitely both. Growing up in California, I've been no stranger to the issues of climate change and environmental sustainability, especially with so many wildfires each summer and issues with accessibility to food. But exploring the intersection between agriculture and technology first emerged over family dinners. My dad had been reading a lot about vertical farming, and I saw an article about Amazon acquiring Whole Foods and the implications of vertical farming in supermarkets. Through a casual conversation about emerging technology with farming, that really got me wondering, well, what exactly are we missing? Vertical farming sounds great, but what about traditional farming? Why aren't we trying to improve the old system along with the development of a new one. And so I dove into a rabbit hole of research and found myself reading about agricultural waste as connected to crop loss and diseases. My curiosity took me down this adventure of, okay, we have a problem, but how exactly are we going to solve it? And the use of technology to help agriculture just seemed natural to me. Technology can do what humans can't. And if we can't monitor acres of crops, then we should ensure that our technology can. And over the summer, I actually flew to the Midwest and tried to survey crops in person. I still remember standing at the edge of a cornfield in Indiana and just staring in awe at the endless rows of crops in front of me. And looking around, I almost couldn't believe that we weren't able to distribute food to everyone in the world. But in reality, a third of the crops that I had seen would be destroyed within the next week and diseases would be the leading cause. All of this is to say, while AgriVision is a startup, it's really a passion project for me and a lifelong goal to help our world become a more sustainable place.
1: So you must not be doing all of this work alone.
0: Do you have a team? Absolutely. I work with an incredible group of fellow innovators, including Winston, Ethan, and Anthony, three other boys who go to high school in Virginia. Working across the country presented unique challenges, especially since we don't go to the same school and lived in different time zones. Communication was particularly difficult at first, and it also took time to figure out how to work with our individual strengths and weaknesses And while my teammates are incredibly talented in science and technology, they had a little less experience with pitching and presentations. But with my speech and debate background, we ended up balancing each other out perfectly, where one person wanted to dive into robotics, another wanted to explore their knack for marketing. And ultimately, our team synergy lies in our trust and respect for one another, which has really just blossomed um, over the past year. Leading this team has taught me how to work in settings in which there are fewer women, which is especially relevant for the agribusiness industry. And I'm really grateful for all the support that we've been able to have for each other as teammates.
1: What sparked these collaborations? Was it the competitions that you were in? How did you actually get together with these guys in Virginia?
0: Absolutely. And so this is a really fun story that I think... Looking back, it's absolutely amazing how the power of Facebook and, you know, referring to a friend of a friend gets you somewhere. All three of these boys, Winston, Ethan, and Anthony, had been incredibly passionate about sustainability. And when I reached out to a family friend about, hey, I wanted to work on a project related to technology and agriculture. Do you know anyone else who has a background in this? From there, I ended up reaching out to Winston and Ethan, and then we found Anthony, who's a grade lower than us, and all of that just really came together naturally. I think it was just by fate, because one simple message about wanting to work in agriculture and in sustainability just for a passion project, and then discovering a competition to attend so that we could see how we worked as a team, everything just ended up playing out perfectly, and now we are incredibly strong as a group and are super excited to move forward with AgriVision beyond just
1: entrepreneurship competitions. So collaborations, they they move beyond just your inner circle, right? And I'm sure you have partners and investors and people who are helping to advance this idea that you have and this innovation that you have. Can you talk a little bit about some of those partnerships? And I'd also like to know, how farmers factor into this. I'm wondering if you did your market research by speaking to some farmers. Have you been on the front lines with the farmers? You mentioned going to the cornfields, which is great, but obviously they have to be very significant to helping you develop the technology effectively.
0: All of this was a really long journey. And I think the way farmers come to play is really the fact that AgriVision's product needs these data sets. We need to start collecting pictures of plants and crops in different stages so that we can enhance the accuracy of our machine learning model. And so having partners in- the terms of having farmers who are willing to have us go out there and take pictures of all their crops and really test out our technology, that's really where they've been able to help us. And if anything, entrepreneurship is just the embodiment of trial and tribulation. And power pitching for seed funding, seeking partnerships and investors just pushed us as a team to keep reiterating and refining the idea. I remember one time when we were preparing for a pitch, I realized that we had to nail down the hardware for our product, specifically the power supply, in order for us to demonstrate that AgriVision could operate effectively across hundreds of acres of land. And from there, we fall into an extensive networking process. I would cold call and email several times throughout the day. And when we were searching for our first partnerships, most of my screen time was spent on LinkedIn, trying to connect with a potential partner or supplier. I asked friends and family for referrals and reached out to teachers and fellow classmates who knew someone who then knew someone else. And finally, after weeks of outreach, we found an individual who was involved in the manufacturing industry, and we now have a company willing to support our prototype with lithium-ion batteries. And so this is a super exciting process, definitely really strenuous, but at the same time, absolutely thrilling because when you connect with someone, when someone reaches out and say they want to support your idea, it really gives you hope for the future and just revitalizes the vision that you have for your company.
1: So in our Global Youth Meetup this summer, I was able to interview a couple of Wharton alums. And I remember one of them saying a real life hack or something that he wanted all high school students to know is that when you reach out to somebody through email, and if you have an articulate and and well-crafted email, they will respond to you. He said, they may not respond to me. I've been in business a lot of years. But when there's a young person who's very entrepreneurial and passionate about an idea, that will definitely warrant a response. Do you agree with that? Is that, has that been your experience?
0: I would say people are definitely super encouraging and they'll reply to you 75% of the time I mean, maybe because I was working in agriculture, people were a little weirded out that a 16-year-old girl from L.A. was emailing them. But, you know, at the same time, I think um, even if they aren't able to give you that immediate support, it's that process of expanding your network and having them say, oh, well, while I can't help you out, here's someone you can contact to see if they can be of more support. That is a process that I definitely think is true. So for anyone who is looking to create their own company and bring their idea to fruition, just cold email, go for it. There is no harm in trying.
1: A moment ago, I heard you allude to the numbers. And I'm wondering what you've learned about the power of data through your drive to create and commercialize AgriVision. That is a really good question.
0: I think a lot of people will say this, but data truly is everything and data is our future. AgriVision has to gather enough data sets in order to train our machine learning algorithms, like I mentioned, and data is the only way that we can teach AI and ML to recognize signs of disease within plants. The agriculture industry is only one example of the need for new technology to help make our lives more efficient and sustainable. Data, when used correctly, can certainly transform the world for the better.
1: All right, so I want to talk for just a minute about your experience on campus with us this summer. You were in our Leadership in the Business World program. Describe the entrepreneurial landscape in LBW and how you feel your generation is innovating and working to be the face of change.
0: When I first met my classmates in LBW, I was instantly amazed by everyone's drive to problem solve. Everyone was so invested in developing their own passions and alongside that, finding ways in which their passions connected to the world. There was this sense of initiative and collaboration. We were all so eager to interact with one another and learn from each other. We had group chats based on our interests in sustainability, social advocacy, educational equity, and several more, which sparked opportunities for us to bounce ideas off of each other and discuss how we wanted to catalyze change. I think part of what it takes to be an entrepreneur is understanding this ripple effect that you can have on society. And that's exactly what LBW students embodied. Our generation seeks issues, both large and small, that need to be addressed. And we're dedicated to developing unique solutions by constantly reaching out, researching, and, of course, working together.
1: AgriVision is clearly a social enterprise because of your focus on sustainability and your hope to address the food waste problem. Do you see it also having a triple bottom line, meaning that you also hope to generate revenue and income and really build this out as a true revenue generating business?
0: Definitely. I think I can see AgriVision spanning out in two ways, not only utilizing the hyperspectral image processing development and that technology development as a stream of revenue, but also having an extension in terms of a nonprofit arm where we can ultimately reach a point as a company to take our products and put them in countries that need it most, but maybe can't afford it. I'm hoping that when corporate farms start purchasing enough of AgriVision and we hit a certain threshold for revenue, we can start distributing our product to places where the diseases are multiplying more and becoming more unpredictable. And in that sense, we want to be able to address where the monitoring systems are needed most. So I heard you say passion
1: project. I love all these passion projects that are emerging (laughs) from high schools around the world. And I obviously speak to a lot of students who have them, but I also see something happening, which is they get developed to a certain point and then they just fall away, right? Because there's only so much time for that passion and then you need to move on with your life. I'm wondering where you see AgriVision in your future. Do you anticipate that this is going to be something you follow through with and that you implement?
0: Absolutely. I think I've always been drawn to the entrepreneurial spirit and thinking in business, and that is certainly tied to AgriVision. It always will be. In fact, when I first entered middle school, that's when I started my first official business and it was on slime. As the first person to introduce the gooey substance at my school, I would buy these little trays, what you might know of as medicine boxes labeled Monday through Friday, and then I would stuff samples of my slime and take that around school to show people the diverse array of slimes that I had to offer. I was just fascinated by the whole process. I loved experimenting with slime and thinking about creative names, and then came this marketing and operations aspect, where I found myself reaching customers from the UK and the Middle East. I had a vision for growing the slime business and a vision for each new slime that I developed. And that's really how I feel connected to agrivision and business overall, being a visionary individual who turns an idea
1: into a reality. Well, you've come a long way from those humble slime beginnings, although it sounds like you've had a great deal of success with slime as well. One question I like to ask all my guests on Future of the Business World is if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? I
0: would like to ensure that all industries and homes commit to sustainable practices. If people were always looking for ways to optimize their lifestyles and production while respecting the environment, we would see a drastic reduction in global warming.
1: Let's wrap up with our lightning round. Please try to answer these questions as quickly as you can. Aside from AgriVision, what is your favorite app? You too. What gets you laughing really hard? Recently, raccoon videos and TikToks. Define your leadership style in six words or less. With empathy, passion, and drive. Something about you that would
0: surprise us. I'm a huge K-pop and K-drama fan. When I'm not working on AgriVision, you can probably find me learning a new dance or choreographing to a new song.
1: Your most memorable Wharton moment, place, person, or food.
0: This seems like a combination of it all, but definitely when my team pitched at LBW in Steinberg-Dietrich Hall. So shout out to Rev Consulting Group and our mentors, Flavio and Marissa.
1: The business person you would most like to take to lunch and why? Jessica Jackley, for sure.
0: Her founding of the microfinancing company Kiva and beyond has fascinated me for years. She seems like an amazing individual who only gives back to our world and has such an
1: innovative mind. Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us on Future of the Business World.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute honor to talk to you today. Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at
1: globallyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.